We thank all of you for joining us for Midweek Church. And um, these are always great and insightful. And I just pray that you're blessed today. Uh, today was day eight of the blessing. How many of y'all been enjoying this journey we've been taking? It's been incredible. If you haven't gotten Pastor Rick's book, The Blessing, you need to order it on uh, rickhawkins.org or you can get it here on Sunday when you come. We'll have them for sale just for you. Listen, this is a great 21-day devotional. Pastor Rick is going every single day at 8.45 a.m. on his Facebook page and going through each chapter day by day. And it's just been incredible. And you need to be a part of that. Uh, tonight, I'm excited. We're going to do things a little different. We'll give at the end of service tonight. But if you want to give while we're uh, in the middle of service, you can do that by texting the keyword Quest Norman to 77977, or you can cash app us Quest Norman. Um, but we're going to jump right into the word this evening. Uh, I'm excited to teach tonight. Uh, I'm grateful always for the opportunity to deliver God's word. Um, teaching here or any pulpit that belongs to Pastor Rick is always a very uh, intimidating chore uh, because the word is so rich and, and the, the sheep of this flock, we're used to rich food, right? Rich word. And uh, I pray that tonight that you are blessed by it. But let's jump right into the word tonight. If you have your Bibles, open them to Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, we'll read one verse of scripture starting there, Proverbs 3 and verse 13. I was thinking about this series um, and everything we've been talking about over the past few weeks, the blessing. And today I had, I had a, a plans on what I wanted to talk about tonight. I was just going to make it simple and, and jump right into chapter 8, which is the commanded blessing. And God really convicted me concerning the thought that I'm sharing tonight. And he convicted it concerning me. And I just want to give you what he gave me today. I believe it's something that's vital and it's important for the people of God. Let's jump into the word. Proverbs 3. And verse 13, blessed are those who find wisdom. Blessed are those who gain understanding. Blessed are those who gain understanding. Our, the topic of our dialogue tonight, if you want to put a tag on it, it would be the blessing. It's a matter of understanding. It's a matter of understanding. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We thank you once again for being in this room. God, I'm asking for your anointing to settle in here, and as we talk tonight, I pray that you speak and shine through, that God, your principles, your concepts, your precepts, God, they would go forth and, and help revolutionize people's thinking, the way they think, the way they retain, the way they understand. I thank you that your spirit is here and your spirit is there, and I know that as the word goes forth, people's lives will be changed. I ask that it produce fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold in the hearts and spirits of those that are listening. We bless you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. It's a matter of understanding. Blessed is the one who gains understanding. Now, the, the verse opens like this. Wisdom, blessed are those who find wisdom now here's what i want to share with you wisdom is the culmination of knowledge understanding and experience wisdom is the culmination of knowledge understanding and experience wisdom is found wisdom is found anything that you have to look for takes time wisdom is not something that just happens wisdom is something 
that happens through time. You have to find it. However, understanding is gained. Understanding is gained. You cannot have wisdom without understanding. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 24 and verse 3 tells us that wisdom builds the house, but understanding establishes that house. The foundation of all belief, of all thought, of all action stems from the idea of understanding. Now, on Sunday, if you guys miss Sunday, I'm going to encourage you right now. You need to go back and watch the word. And I'm not even going to try to caveat on that or even reference it because it was so rich with the concepts of God. And I encourage you, you need to see that message. Now, on Sunday, he preached a message, Pastor Rick did, entitled, The School of Blessing. And there's one quote I want to pull out of it. One quote I want to pull out of it. Proper education turns the light of understanding on. I'm going to say it again. Proper education turns the light of understanding on. I believe that the foundational or one of the fundamental components of the life of every believer that should be emphasized. For some, it needs to be recovered. Others, it needs to be discovered. A fundamental component of the life of every believer is this idea of understanding, understanding. When Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1, he's speaking to them concerning his prayers or his concern for them. And in it, verse 18, you guys know this scripture, he's telling them, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. And I pray that, they, that you come to an enlightened understanding of these three things. The hope of your calling, the riches in Christ Jesus that are for you, and the exceeding greatness of his power towards us, in us, and through us. In other words, what he is praying is, I hope that you'll come to an understanding. I'm praying that you come to an understanding of who you are, what you have access to, and what you're capable of. But in order to get to that place, you have to come to an understanding of it. For a person to operate in who they are, they must first understand who they are. It's not enough to have knowledge. You have to have understanding. In order for a person to access the great blessings that we have in Jesus, you must first have an understanding of what those blessings are and that no matter what you do, the blood of Christ was shed for you and you have access to those blessings. In order to operate in the fullness of the power of God that has been assigned to your life, you have to first come to an understanding that that, that power is afforded to you and it is in you. And God expects it to come up out of you. So Paul prays for the church at Ephesus and he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Now when Jesus addresses the disciples concerning understanding, he's actually speaking to more than just the disciples at this time. And he shares the parable of the sower. That's what it's called, the parable of the sower. In my opinion, this really should be called the parable 
of understanding. And so what Jesus goes on to, to, to say is there's this sower and he, he casts his seed and some fell along the path and some fell along rocky ground, some fell among the thorns and others fell on good ground. And he said, thus, this is the kingdom of God. Such is the kingdom of God. Now, when his disciples get alone with him, they're confused. They don't have an understanding. And so they ask him, what does this parable mean? And he starts the parable and ends the parable with the idea of understanding. And he says this to them. What you do not understand can be taken from you. What you do not understand can be taken from you. And he ends by saying this. What you do understand can never be taken from you. And he expands on that thought by saying this. The one with understanding will yield a crop. They won't produce fruit, not just one fruit. They will produce a crop. In other words, a field of fruit. A field full of fruit. Giving us the idea that there will be a recurring fruit that comes or recurring produce that comes from this field as a result of our understanding. That fruit will come some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So Jesus emphasizes this idea of understanding. Somebody say understanding. Here's something we must understand about understanding. <laughs> it is not a gift. It is not a gift you are born with. You are not born with understanding. Throughout Proverbs, you're going to find scriptures that say things like this. In all of your getting, get understanding. Understanding is not a gift. It is not something that can be imparted to you. It is not something that I have that I can lend you. Understanding is something that you have to gain for yourself and it has to be worked for. Understanding doesn't drop down in our life. Understanding is something that you have to be worked for, that has to be worked for. Now here's, here's where we need to draw a line real quick. Um, this is important to this, this context here. Knowledge and understanding are not the same thing. They are related, but they are not the same thing. There is a distinct difference between knowledge and understanding. Now, here's the catch to that. You need knowledge before you can get understanding. You need knowledge before you can get understanding. Without knowledge, understanding is impossible. But watch this. Just because you have knowledge doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to lead to understanding. Just because you know something doesn't mean you understand that thing. I know that my truck needs an oil change. But I'll be honest with you. I don't fully understand why. But I know it needs it. But for the guy that understands why, he's not going to wait. 10 miles longer than the due date because he understands the damage that can happen to that vehicle or the importance of having fresh oil in that engine. There's a difference between knowledge and understanding. When you know something like, let's say, an oil change, you'll delay. You know it needs to happen, but you don't mind delaying. But when you understand it, that delay doesn't come into play because you understand the repercussions that could come from not changing that oil. I'm talking about understanding. 
understanding. Einstein said this, any fool can know. Any fool can know. The point is understanding. Now, let me give you another example concerning the difference between understanding and knowledge. And we're in church, and this is church, so I'll bring it to the church house. Now, we all know that we should be involved or serve in ministry. We all know that. However, we don't all understand why. We think we do, but we haven't come to the full understanding of why we should serve in ministry. We know we should, and so because we know we should, we join different ministries, whether it's the greeting team or the outreach team or the prayer team or the children's ministry or the youth ministry or the porters or whatever the case may be or the media team, but we don't understand why. And so just because we're serving, then there's a day that we weren't scheduled to serve and we're asked to serve, and it becomes a burden to us instead of an opportunity to us and the reason why it becomes a burden is because we know we should serve, but we don't understand why we should serve. Here's, here's how I can frame that. I, I used to be the media director for Place for Life for years. And in our training, I would try to show that it's not just about operating a camera or running a screen or, or doing the lyrics or the sound. It, it, it's a lot deeper than that because what we're doing is we're building a window through which people can experience God wherever they are at. Whether they're watching on a video or they're streaming live or, or whatever the case may be, we're creating a window for the opportunity for the spirit to flow through. That's why the excellence of what we do is so important. That's why these particular shots matter. That's why the lights have to work at this time because there's, it's deeper than just flipping on a switch or, or zooming in and zooming out. It's bigger than that because we're creating an opportunity for people to experience the gospel that are not in this room right now. And that's why it matters. See, there's a deeper understanding. Knowledge is saying they need a camera operator. Understanding goes deeper than that. Understanding is when you're working in the children's ministry, you're not doing it and just reading the script. You're understanding that I'm presenting Jesus to the next generation. And they need to know the principles and precepts of God and the foundational elements of how to live a godly life and experience Jesus. And so I can't be boring to them. It's deeper than that. Knowledge tells me I can go in there and read the script. Understanding says I have to create something for these people, for these children. You see in the difference, there is a difference between knowledge and understanding. It's all a matter of understanding. And here's the problem, I think, especially with the body of Christ, because it is an issue culturally. It's an issue globally. We are living in a day and age where the flood of information is outrageous. Uh, on the documentary that Pastor Rick referenced on Sunday, The Social Dilemma, one of the texts there even talks about the brain, the human brain. is not designed to contain or retain or even accept the amount of information that we have access to in today's day and age. The problem with that is, because there's such ease of access, we take a step past or we excuse ourselves from the work it takes to gain understanding. Here's what I mean. You'll take the easy way out of knowing something. 
And you'll take that knowledge that you can Google and say, okay, I know and understand. But really you don't because you didn't take the time to really understand it. Listen to this quote. I found this today and I thought it was so interesting. I want to read it to you. We live in a world awash with information. But we seem to face a growing scarcity of wisdom. And what's worse, we confuse the two. We believe that having access to more information produces more knowledge, which results in more wisdom. But if anything, the opposite is true. More and more information without the proper context and interpretation only muddles our understanding of the world rather than enriching it. That is a powerful quote. We live in a culture that will disgrace you for not having an opinion. It is a social disgrace for, to not have an opinion in this culture. Now here's the deal. Because of that pressure, because of that pressure, we will formulate an opinion. Most times that opinion is formulated, okay, by superficial impressions or by borrowed ideas from somebody else. And so we're willing to stand on, instead of, we'll, we'll do that, we'll form that opinion, instead of putting the proper thought, study, and context into gaining an understanding that will result in or, or, or cultivate a conviction. I'm going somewhere. Please stay with me on that. So we'll formulate this opinion based on borrowed ideas and formulate this false sense of conviction. And really, there's no understanding at all. It's only an opinion. It's only opinion-based. Or it's an idea that we borrowed from somebody else. I wrote this down today. Too many are living their life on the foundation of opinions rather than a life of conviction. Too many people are living their life on the foundation of opinions rather than a life of conviction. A life of true conviction is the direct result of the pursuit of understanding. Amen. I'm going to say that again. Amen. A, true life, a life of true conviction is the direct result of the pursuit of understanding. Romans 12, 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's, an un, it, it's a matter of understanding. It's a matter of understanding. So I, I, I went through that discourse for a reason. We're, we're talking about blessing, right? We're talking about blessing. And we're in this series. And every morning, Pastor Rick does a devotion at 845 out of this book, The Blessing. Why? Because the goal here is to bring everybody into an understanding of what the blessing is. Bring you into an understanding of what the blessing is. Why? Because when you understand something, it can't be taken from you. And when you live in a culture, in a generation, in a society like ours, it is imperative. It is not a uh, choice. It is not uh, like we don't have the option here. We can't opt out of this. It's imperative that we have an understanding. See, the challenge with a flood of information is this, that we lean on it. 
and it bleeds into the church. So what happens is we come to church, we get preached to. The word comes forth so strong, we enjoy it, we feel it, we love it, we feel like we learned something from it. We leave, and then we're hungry for the next word. And we didn't take the time necessary to take that word and come to an understanding of it. If you take Sunday's word that Pastor Rick delivered in this house, the school of blessing, I tell you what, you could be learning on that for the next year. You could be growing from the next, for the next year. And the problem is we get into this race of results rather than growth. We're looking for the results first, but we don't realize that through growth, results naturally happen. That is a result of understanding. That is a result of understanding. And we live in a day, and that's what I was talking about earlier concerning the flood of information. We're lazy now, so we're not willing to do the pursuit necessary to come to it. We just rest on what is given to us. And I think it's high time for the people of God to step past that, elevate, graduate, and push past that idea, that notion. Challenge your opinions, challenge your ideologies, challenge your thought processes, and make sure they line up with the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God. Okay, let me give you an example of understanding blessing. Let's, let's jump into an, uh, an example of understanding blessing, and then we're out of here. Blessed Blessed is the man who finds wisdom and gains understanding. Blessed is that man. If you read that whole text from 13 to 18, you'll see it's capped. It starts with the word blessed and ends with the word blessed. Go back and read it. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28. I'm going to read this, this passage, and then I'm going to give you three points, and we're out. Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse 1. Now it shall come to pass, key phrase, if you diligently obey... King James says, hearken to, the word hearken literally means to understand. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings, he's about to list them, shall come upon you and overtake you. Pastor Rick will talk about that in a later chapter. Because, listen, you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country, and blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be the basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way, but they will flee before you seven ways. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. In this chapter, chapter 28, if you keep reading, this chapter focuses on two words. Blessed and cursed. Blessed and cursed. And the understanding that this chapter gives us, especially that first portion right there, is that the deciding factor concerning your life and whether you are blessed and cursed rests on one thing. The deciding factor is one thing. You. You are the deciding factor between being blessed and being cursed. This is a matter of understanding. 
It's a matter of understanding that you know that the blessing of the Lord is yours if you choose it. He gave it to us in the origin of time. That's the first thing he did to us was bless us. After he formed us, he blessed us. But the deciding factor in whether you live a blessed life or a cursed life rests in you. It rests in you. Blessing is a choice. So let's talk about three quick things. Number one, blessing is conditional. It's important that we understand this. It's a matter of understanding. Blessing is conditional. The love of God is unconditional. But the blessing of God is conditional. Those are two different things. Watch this. Verse 1 and 2. Now it shall come to pass, here's that big word, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments. And all these blessings, verse 2, will come upon you because you obeyed the voice of the Lord. Blessing is conditional. In the third chapter, I believe, Pastor Rick talks about this in the promises of blessing. He talks about that the key word in it all is two letters. Biggest word in the Bible, two letters, if. If. Blessing is conditional. I want you to say these two words, obedience and practice. Obedience and practice. He says diligently obey. So I did a deep dive into this word, diligently obey. I mean, I went deep. Hebrew etymology, deep. Exegesis, as far as I could go on this word, diligently obey. You know what it means? Do what he said. It's as deep as I could get. I looked as deep. I said, there's got to be something deeper than this. And there's not a big revelation to it. Diligently obey. Do what he said. Do what he said. You can't do what God says if you're not listening. You cannot do what he says if you haven't postured yourself in a place where you can hear his word. See, here's, a ch- here's something I have. Oh, man. Um, okay. So in, I, I don't like referring to negative, but it's important to draw a contrast so you can gain understanding, right? Uh, we have a culture, a, a, a clash of this concept. We don't like people riding over us. We don't like to, I'm my own man, right? I'm my own man. I can do what I want. I'm grown. Uh, I don't need anybody lording over me. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I go to church because that's my choice. If I don't like it, I can move to another one. We have this, this, you understand what I'm saying? If I don't like the boss I'm dealing with so I can disrespect him and dishonor him by talking bad about him. We have these weird concepts. That's a cursed concept. A blessed concept says I need authority in my life and I need to be in position. A blessed concept says I need a pastor to be under. A blessed concept says no matter how bad I I don't like this boss, I still have to speak well of him. If you don't believe that, look at Psalm 133, which was the basis of the chapter today, that how good and pleasant it is when, when brethren dwell together in unity because it's like the precious ointment or oil that's poured on Aaron's what? His head. And it comes down because the way blessing works or unity or the unit, the way that works is you get in position and in your place and then the oil flows down or the blessing flows down. And in that place, the the blessing is commanded on you. But what we don't like to do is be under anything. 
And so what I, what I think is funny is we hear a lot of this. God told me. I heard the Lord say. And I think it's funny. Do I believe that God speaks to all of us? Absolutely. Without doubt, he does. Do I believe every time somebody tells me that, that God told them that? No. As a matter of fact, it's used like, it's used like a weapon. Because I said, God said, you can't argue with me now. Because God told me. So who am I to tell you that God told you? I think we need to be careful with that. I think we need to be really careful with that. And that's why God gave us churches. And that's why God gave us godly pastors and men of God and women of God to sit under because they are assigned. That's their calling. That's their assignment in the earth. That's the anointing in the earth. And you know what? No matter what this generation wants to say, we don't apologize for that because that's the way God did it. He put his men and women in the earth to hear from him, to give them, the people of God, us, the word of God. And I think it's time that we stop mistrusting or, 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 or degrading or condescending what the word is that's coming forth and take it for, for, take it for what it's worth and gain an understanding of what's being given to us. In this passage, Deuteronomy uh, uh, 28, I think it's chapter 28 that we're in, right? Yeah, 28. That's not God talking. You know who's saying all that? Moses. Moses is saying that because God told him to say it. That's how God works. And that's, that's what the enemy tried to do from the very beginning when he snuck in and he told Eve, did God really say? And in actuality, Adam's the one that told her because God didn't speak to her. God spoke to Adam, and Adam gave her the word. Why? Because God always speaks to a man to speak to his people, and the enemy's job is to get you to disconnect from that word. Blessed is the man if you diligently obey. If you diligently obey. You can only obey something, most people are only willing to obey something that they believe in or they understand this is an authority over me or this is best for me. And because of so much scrutiny and condescension, we have walked away from the fact that what's being given us is powerful words of God to live our life in. I hope I'm getting an amen on that. Obedience creates an opportunity. I'll just drop this real quick and move on. Obedience creates an opportunity. If you remember, David was ordained, uh, anointed king, right? He was brought in. He was left out. Then he was brought in. They anointed him king. And guess what? They sent him back out, <laughs> right? Anointed king over Israel sent back out. Then a little while later, chapter 17, Goliath is, is yelling at the Israelites, the people of God. He's intimidating them. And Jesse, the father, the brothers are away. They're fighting. Je David's still left out. He's at home taking care of the sheep, doing, he's being obedient. And in his obedience, Jesse comes to him and he says, hey, I need you to take some cheese and bread to your brothers. And David says, yes, sir. And he takes cheese and bread to his brothers. And you guys know the rest of the story. He ends up taking out Goliath and the Israelites overcome the Philistines. Why? Because the obedience David had in that moment gave him an opportunity to step into who he was. It gave him the opportunity to step into the blessing. The blessing was already on him. He just stayed obedient to what he was supposed to do. It wasn't about the bread and cheese. Sometimes, sometimes we get caught up in these menial tasks, 
And we're like, why are we being asked to do that? Why am I watching the kids? Why am, it's not watching the kids. We're imparting to them. Why, 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 am, why do I have to clean the toilets? Or why do I have to disinfect the chairs? It's not a menial task. Obedience opens the way for opportunity. And here's, here's the, the bigger part of that, practice. Everybody say practice. practice. To carefully observe, carefully observe. It's not a one-time thing. And I think sometimes we use God as a cosmic bellhop. We're looking for a blessing, so we do something. We're obedient to the word one time. And we want to see the result. It's like, uh, it's like investing. I invest and I expect an immediate return. When I don't get it, I just pull my money out. Because we're look, but it's a practice. It's a practice. Here's, here's an example. I'll say it like this. Blessing is found in, in the room, or, or, or obedience and practice. I want to read what I said, because I said it, I wrote it pretty good. <laughs> obedience and practice meet in a room called covenant. Obedience and practice meet in a room called covenant. Here's the example, Malachi 3. Malachi 3. I'll read it. Will a man rob God? This is God talking now. Yet you have robbed me, but you say, where have we robbed you? And he, he answers the question, in tithes and offerings. Listen to this. You are cursed with a curse because you robbed me. You did this. Even this whole nation. But then look what he gives you the opportunity. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me in this. Try this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there may be room enough to receive it. And he goes on to describe the blessing that comes from your obedience. That's, a, that's an obedience and practice. Tithe doesn't happen in a moment. Tithe is a practice of life. The principles of God work for you or against you every day of your life. If you work the principle, it will work for you. It is time to put the word of God in practice and stop using it as some kind of slot machine that we come in and hope we hit it big. No, we've got to be obedient and practice that obedience till it becomes a lifestyle. Because watch this. Blessing is conditional, but this is also important to understand. Blessing is a state of being, not a materialistic expression. When you do these things, when you put obedience and practice into action, it creates a state of being. Because doing something, like Pastor Rick says, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. When you practice it, it becomes who you are. When it becomes who you are, blessing can't help but come up out of you. Amen. The verse in, 20, in, in chapter 28 says, blessed shall you be. Blessed shall you be. He reiterates it over and over because blessing is a state of being. It is not a materialistic expression. Here's the thing. Blessing can come through material things. But like Cajuns say, that's lanyap. That's just a little extra. That's what we get on top of it. But blessing is a state of being. It's an outflow of who you are. So here's the thing. When we, when we get blessed... When we get blessed, it's not because I went and bought a new car. It's bigger than that. Blessing should be a natural outflow of who we are, not something we do. Anyone can show an act of kindness or be generous to somebody. That does not mean that they are blessed. That just means they did something nice. 
Just because somebody was generous and just because somebody did an act of kindness does not make that a blessing. It just means they did something nice. Anybody can do something nice. When we are obedient and put these things into practice, blessing becomes who we are. It's just natural. When, we, when blessing becomes a state of being, it's no longer poor me, these things happen to me. Now it's these things are working for my good. When blessing becomes a state of being, it's no longer I can't believe I lost my job. Now it's thank you, Lord, for protecting me from something I didn't see. Now it's thank you, Lord, for a brand new opportunity for success. They rejected me and now I'm depressed. No, now, now it's, not, it's not that. It's not they rejected me and now I'm depressed. No, it's God, thank you. It hurts right now, but I know it was best for me. Thank you for blessing me. It's no longer God blessed me, look at what I got. Now it's thank you for what I got. How can I be a blessing with it? When you take on these, when you get this understanding, when you get this understanding, your attitude changes. Your outlook becomes more positive. Your atmospheres fill with peace. Your relationships become more, they flourish more and they produce more joy in your life and your life becomes more fruitful. Why? Because blessing is a state of being, not a materialistic expression. I'm going to leave with this last thought. And blessing is commanded. The blessing is commanded. See, that's the power of walking in all that. That's the power of the condition of the blessing. Because when you do what he says to do, when you understand it, it becomes part of you. And then you understand this, that it's a command and it cannot be reversed. When God commands his blessing, the curses in your life have to flee. When God commands a blessing over your life, those, those walls of curse begin to fall down. They just begin to tumble on down. You know, sometimes curses are really what that is, practically, is learned behaviors. It's things that are generationally passed down because we watched our predecessors, our father, mother, whoever we grew up with, maybe churches we grew up in, whatever, and we adopted borrowed ideas, things we didn't understand, and we took them on as truth. So our truth is, I'm poor and I'll always be poor. That's a curse. Amen. Truth is, my dad was an alcoholic. I'm going to be an alcoholic. That's a curse. But we adopted it as truth because we didn't have an understanding. But when God commands his blessing, curses have to flee. You can be the one that breaks that line of curse and displays a brand new pattern of blessing in your family lineage and it happens because of you it's not a matter of did god bless you here's the great thing god did bless you it's a matter of if it's a matter of understanding because once you understand it, it can't ever be taken from you. And then when those things, those old feelings of whatever it is, that whatever the curse is that plagues you, when that depression shows up, man, yeah, you'll feel it. And you'll start to go down, but then you'll remember because you understand. Wait a minute. I'm blessed. I don't have to live like this. I can stand up in joy. I can turn the lights on in this house. I can put a smile on my face because God 
has commanded that blessing over my life. And it cannot be taken from me. I, I speak that over every person watching right now. I want you to walk in the blessing of God. That's the purpose of this, this whole journey we're on. We're not trying to make people rich. That's not what this is about. It's not a materialistic thing. You know what? If the people of God could come to the understanding of blessing, all this nonsense that we're facing in the world would slowly begin to crumble down because the sons and daughters of God are rising up into who they are and the blessing of God just radiates throughout the earth. Dear Heavenly Father, I speak blessing over your people right now. I thank you that it's something we can gain. It's our choice. Right now I speak to the person that's dealing with the curse, the person that's discouraged, depressed, downhearted. They don't know what to do. They're distraught. And God, I just pray that you sneak into that room, lift up their head, smile at them. I thank you that the word bless means to kneel down and kiss. Would you just kneel down and kiss them tonight, Lord? Let them know you love them that you're there for them. And one decision could change their life forever. Choose blessing tonight. Choose it. Choose it. It's a matter of understanding. God, we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.